of us in this country, black or white, we are carrying trauma in our bodies. Whether we want to admit it or not, trauma is happening to all of us. When two people are in a violent act, the victim and the perpetrator are both in, the, in a trauma experience. Both have been exposed to trauma. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hi there. Today on Wisdom for Wellbeing, I am joined by Dr. Emily Butler. A native of Mississippi, a licensed psychologist and food relationship strategist who has made it her mission to help women of color heal and thrive in the areas of trauma and diet recovery. Dr. Ebony is a visionary and teacher. She specializes in guiding women to develop skills that increase their effectiveness in interpersonal interactions, including communication and asking and getting what they want and need. Dr. Ebony is specifically interested in issues that impact marginalized communities, including minority women and LGBT persons. Given the extensive amount of attention placed on body size and dieting in our society, Dr. Ebony understands how these pressures can impact one's relationship with food and their bodies. Thus, Dr. Ebony is passionate about helping others recover from diet culture while also learning to shape their health in a more empowered manner. And in fact, empowerment is really one of the reasons why she created My Therapy Cards. My Therapy Cards are a number of different cards that might look something like a deck of affirmation cards, but they go much deeper than affirmations and self-care. They're actually tools that are designed to support self-exploration, grace, insight, and ultimately compassion with oneself. My therapy cards are actually the first self-exploration card deck, and they were created by a black psychologist, Dr. Ebony, for other women of color. Dr. Ebony will describe why women really need the permission to be able to engage in this work, my therapy cards or therapy generally. And she also talks through how different stereotypes, you know, the strong black woman or different languaging, for instance, use of the word brave, which I actually did during this episode, how that negatively impacts on black women's well-being. Now, with all of this in mind, I would like to introduce you to our wonderful guest today, Dr. Ebony herself. Hello, Dr. Ebony. Thank you so much for coming on to Wisdom for Wellbeing. Welcome. I am just delighted to be here with you today. Yes, and I'm super excited to be here too. Thank you so much for having me. I am. I mean, I, I was just talking to you before the show about how generous it is for you to make time to have this conversation with me and the Wisdom for Wellbeing listeners because you have been flat out with the My Therapy cards, which is what we're going to be talking about today. These incredible cards that offer a resource for listeners to, you know, go through a process of self exploration and healing. But before we get into that, would you mind just sharing a little bit about who you are and, you know, the work that you do? Absolutely. So kind of like I'm from Mississippi and I, and I say that because sometimes I tie things back to my upbringing. 
and kind of like, especially in the food strategy stuff. So I'm a licensed psychologist in Texas. Um, actually, I'm in Austin right now. And my practice is centered around working with Black women and other people of color around trauma and helping them learn how to recover and thrive and regain their power. Um, and that goes as far as learning how to communicate and ask for what they want to need. And so I'm also a food relationship strategist where I help people understand and recover from diet culture and understand just how oppressive that is to Black people and other people of color in ways that that actually takes our power. And so I operate in those two worlds um, as a therapist um, in the therapy world and as a coach or strategist in the food relationship world. And my main population of focus is going to be people of color. So that's kind of like the things that I kind of have myself involved in these days. That's incredible. And it's it's really, you know, interesting because there has been a lot of conversation recently around the trauma that, you know, Black people and people of color have suffered. And it's an interesting link that it ties in with, um, you know, the, the real trauma around food as well. And you mentioned Mississippi, that that has a link to the work you do. Um, how yeah. does that link? Well, because I grew up around food being um, one where we bonded, one where it was kind of um, an act of service to cook for people, to show gratitude, to show appreciation. Um, it was something that we really valued. It was a way to show art, like a way to show um, kind of like how grateful I am for you, like those kinds of things. And Mississippi is one of those places that if you hear in the news, they talk about obesity rates. They talk about how unhealthy the state is, but what they don't take into account is just how culturally centered food is for us. And so when we talk about kind of being black in this country and being people of color, part of our experience comes with the heavy connection that we have with food and the ways that diet culture in this country and world have been shaped in direct opposition of bodies that look like ours. And so when you're talking about black people and being overweight, when we think about obesity epidemic, many times people of color are wearing the face of obesity. And so if we're thinking about diet culture, diet culture completely strips us of any cultural connection that we have to food, um, all for the sake of being skinny or being thin and being good enough. And so all of that, I also think is deeply rooted in racism and white supremacy. And that for a large part, I read this book by Sabrina Strings called Fearing the Black Body. Um, and she talked about, she tied the historical connection back to kind of the, the concept of dieting and ideal body image and how that was created by men to, to kind of have us kind of adopt this European standard of beauty and, and um, body size and how that was in opposition of everything black, everything about the black body. And so the thinner you were, the more away, like distant you were from the black body. And so we talk about all of these things in our relationship with food and how that impacts us and, and then ways that we cope and that sometimes involves food and then the ways that we recover from trauma. Like, all of these things are so interconnected that I don't think that we could talk about one without talking about the other. And I love to say, I love to talk about where I'm from because diet culture completely makes you feel horrible if you engage in cultural practices around food. And, I, and basically that is stripping away where, who I am if you take that away from me. Um, basically, again, making me shed the very essence of who I am. Um, do I have to create and make... Um, Poor choices around food? No, but there's no room for even balance and choice when it comes to diet culture. And I want to be able to connect with food in ways that feel traditional and cultural and not feel ashamed about that.
That's a really interesting, you know, connection. And it sounds like it's multifaceted, that there's many layers and that people, you know, might have an experience of one and go, oh, wow, like there's all of these levels to it. Yeah, um, yeah. What, well, link to the book that you said it was by Sabrina Fearing the Black Body. What was yeah, that book? Fearing the Black Body. Yeah. yeah we'll put that in the show notes for any listeners that are interested. Oh, yeah. She, I wish she were on Instagram, but I don't think she is. Um, but um, you can find her book on Amazon, but I think it does a really good job of talking about the historical context of the Black body in this country and the ways that um, European immigrants came over and could, kind of created this um, concept in, of racism because that wasn't even a thing. Like race and class, it was all, it was really based on geographical regions and where you were from and you were Irish and you're German. And then for power purposes, which is the, the system that we now have with white supremacy, it was like, okay, why? And black, and then all of the people from Europe were considered white, and then lumped together for power purposes. And then you have black, and so this this um, category categorical creation of races is kind of how we have kind of gotten where we are today, basically. And there's a couple of things that have flagged me there. So the European struggle for power or, you know, white supremacy, essentially in action, lumping together um, white bodies. Also that that's really where diet culture evolved, that that became the standard of beauty. So it was taking away from, you know, a black person's, a person of color's experience in the world. And I, I wonder how this actually links to the My Therapy cards, because this is a really a step forward in being able to see and appreciate oneself well actually the, i mean when you think about us you know things being created in direct opposition of people who look like us in our bodies that is rejection um we we all know what rejection feels like and the amount of trauma that rejection causes us so to just be in our bodies in this country is is traumatizing like there's a deep history because uh, when we talk about diet culture, we can't talk about diet culture without talking about racism. We can't talk about racism without talking about slavery. We can't talk about slavery without talking about trauma. And then we're talking about generational impacts and generational trauma. So most of us, well, all of us in this country, black or white, are ex we are carrying trauma in our bodies. Whether we want to admit it or not, trauma is happening to all of us. When two people are in a violent act, the victim and the perpetrator are both in, the, in a trauma experience. Both have been exposed to trauma and um, that lives in your body. And if we're talking about the way that that's passed on generationally, yeah. that's an impact on me. And as I show up outside, like just going outside, the world rejects me as a black body. And there are so many things that I have to do to prove myself in this world and in this country. So imagine the amount of stress that causes us. Imagine the amount of anxiety and depression and things that we hold in our bodies. So when we, and then, we have to go into the creation of the mental health system. The mental health system, while I love it, also has not done its best by people of color to provide access to resources and to provide you know, helpful information to help us to be well and help us to kind of be able to afford mental health care and that kind of thing. And so we're needing to find things to be able to take care of ourselves. And I mean, just a lot of the um, inhumane treatment that has happened with Black people in the mental health industry, Black people in the medical field, the mistrust that is there, feeling experimented on, feeling like authority figures are out to kind of plant things on you as science um, projects, that kind of thing. And so you're really apprehensive about seeking out services. So you have this very complex relationship with the fields of mental health. And if you have that, then what does that mean for your psyche? Who are you going to turn to for help with that if there's this huge stigma associated with it? You don't. 
you carry it, you bury it, and you just press on. And that lives in our bodies. And that is completely detrimental to us to be able to carry that around. And so when you talk about how does this tie to my therapy cards, my therapy cards is a resource that was created out of a, a need that still exists in the mental health industry. And that's a lack of resources, cost barriers, um, geographical barriers, geographical limitations, those kinds of things. And so this is kind of how it's all connected. It's just, we are still, we're getting better, but we still have a large majority of black people and people of color, marginalized groups struggling to access care, access mental health care. And while we have people who talk about self-care and affirmations and that kind of thing, I really do believe that we need to be doing the deeper work and what better way to get that information across than to have somebody who's in the field doing the work provide you resources that are just like at your fingertips and you'll be able to get to the core of some of those things that may be happening for you. What's apparent to me in hearing you explain this, um, Ebony, is, is how knowledgeable and how much you've integrated the information and the experience in this field, like the lived experience with your intellectual and mental health experience as well, to be able to create the My Therapy cards for people who have had these, you know, disempowering experiences. And as you said, might not have the resources, the proximity, the opportunity, and to get through that you know, historic experience of being marginalized and targeted by mental health services. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just being educated about what this looks like and um, kind of doing it in a way that is not harmful, doing it in a way that is so calm and that is so um, conversational and it meets us at the levels where we are and it destigmatizes the word therapy by putting my therapy cards in the title. I intentionally created mailing boxes that has my therapy cards on them because we need to be talking about, oh, therapy, 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 therapy. And so that we're not treating it as like it's a bad word or something, but that we're working to reduce that stigma. So um, it was super intentional. And so I'm happy to, to hear you kind of talk about it in those ways too, because sometimes I can kind of forget it and just kind of live in the marketing world of things and, and, and making sure things are done and be task oriented versus kind of focusing on the intention that was put behind it when this all started. Well, tell me about that process of starting it and a little bit more when people are hearing my therapy cards, what should they be envisioning? Yeah, they should be envisioning first a deck of cards that's going to help them do some self-exploratory work, some insight work, um, some cards that you can actually use with yourself. You can use this with a partner. This is for everyday people, the everyday woman. You, and this is for everybody. It was just specifically created so that Black women can have a mental health resources for ourselves um, without kind of, it, we need it to be thrown into kind of like, oh, and, and Black women, you know, and that kind of thing, but that we have something for us. And so when people hear my therapy cards, we should definitely be hearing the word resource. We should be hearing the word tool. We should be hearing self-exploration. We should be hearing grace. We should be hearing kind of like, um, kind of insight on ways that I can become more compassionate with myself. And that's kind of where all of this was born. So as a person who does private practice, I recognized that there were a lot of people who were reaching out to me that actually I could not work with because A, I'm part-time private practice, and then B, because of my fees. So I don't accept insurance. And one of the reasons I don't accept insurance is a lot of the problems that I have with the insurance industry is that they force you to diagnose, even if nobody has any pathology that warrants the diagnosis. And I just don't like that because it's further asking me to pathologize people who look like me.
happening, even when there's nothing pathological going on. Um, also compensation for time and the amount of time that you're spending working with the client versus what you're compensated for. And um, just kind of the back and forth of uh, dealing with them and them being the gatekeeper to whether or not somebody can get care. So I'm, I've elected not to accept insurance, but to do some things like pro bono or sliding fee services so that people can afford the therapy. But then I know I still have limited time and space for that as well. So I wanted to create something that addressed that barrier and that was cost effective for many people, especially marginalized communities and people who can only access this type of uh, work in, in, in questioning that you have to pay uh, money for that you may not even have. So I wanted that to be cost effective. I also wanted access to be addressed. So even me, when I'm seeking to find my own therapist, it is very hard to find somebody, A, who has availability, B, who is willing to work with another psychologist or therapist, um, and then being some, you know, it's just all of these things that you run into, you can get people to call you back. And so just a lot of the, and I know, I know what to ask. And if I have this information, imagine how hard it is for people who don't to be able to access services. So I wanted to address the issue of access and I wanted to address the issue of stigma. And I was like, how can I do that? I don't really know. And I got this bright idea. I was like, you know what? A part of that, I have to say this, that I wanted to go further than just affirmation and self-care cards. And so I have to make sure that I am clear about that because I could, you know, these are out there and I think they're great and I think they all have their space. I wanted us to go deeper because I feel like as Black women, we are very complex and we, pre we present with a unique set of issues um, because of all of our intersectionalities. And I think one of the things that we're bogged down with is that stereotype of being the strong Black woman and that we're having to take care of everybody else but not taking care of ourselves. I feel like self-care has a place there, but I feel like many times self-care is real pink and fluffy. I feel like affirmations are there and I feel like sometimes affirmations are kind of sometimes fluffy and I wanted us to understand that doing our hard work, we don't have to apologize for that. Doing the hard work and self-care is sometimes ugly, sometimes it's difficult, sometimes it's hard and that we can do hard things when it comes to us because we believe, we know we can do hard things but oftentimes it's in the context of other people. Like I know I can protect them, but we need to know that we can do the same for ourselves. So these questions were tailored in a way to help you get to the core of those things and kind of give yourself permission to do your own work and to give you a voice when we're so used to speaking up for other people, doing other people's work, kind of making sure everybody else is okay. But taking the time to do that for ourselves and doing it in a way that actually got at, kind of elevated us in a way, way further than what self-care and affirmation cards would do incredible and how empowering you know to be able to turn that energy that's often being directed externally and you said you know the stereotype of the strong black woman and you know that sense that we can do everything for everyone else but you're saying oh no the strong black woman actually needs to turn that lens back upon herself and that same that same love and affection and energy yeah and we need to be able to be okay with letting that go and letting that stereotype lay where it needs to because there's actually a curse many times and stops us from seeking help and the idea when we internalize that stereotype, it kind of sends the message to us when we need help that we're weak for wanting to do so or weak for needing to do so. And so being able to allow that stereotype to flee while I do my work and saying, you know what, this does not make me weak. Actually, this makes me powerful. This makes me an advocate for myself. And I'm unapologetically going to do my work. Um, and I'm unapologetically going to take care of me, especially now because I'm not okay, you know, during all that we have going on. 
So brave, maybe, would that be another way of like looking at it? This bravery to sort of create the space to do the work or how do you, how do you frame it? I actually will look at it as just being, um, giving ourselves permission Permission. to do it. And I, because here's why I'm I'm scared of those words just to be honest. No, I'm happy to hear about the language. (laughs) Yes. I, I feel like in this country, brave takes the, the expectation that you can take on more and that you're bold and that we just can keep packing stuff on you and that you can just kind of keep going no matter what's on your shoulders. And while I believe that we can do those things, I think we also need the space to be able to shed a lot of those labels and just say, without permission, like without those labels, I give myself permission to take care of myself. And that's exactly what it is. I'm just taking care of myself just like everybody else is allowed to take care of themselves without it needing to be, you know, like the superhero mom, like moms get this, women get this period, and then black women get this a lot, you know, double, I feel like, like needing to just be all things. And I think that when we take on stereotypes like brave and and, um, and strong, we're sometimes overlooked for the pain that we actually do feel and maybe sometimes not believe or invalidated when we have those experiences. Like, oh, you'll pull through. We know that. We know we'll pull through, but we just want this moment right now to be okay. So permission, permission to have the experiences to do the work the same way anyone else would. Um, Thank you for correcting my language, because I think that is important. And in fact, what these cards do is they use very deliberate language around different mindset um, changes and transformations that one that one would look at. So this is something you've obviously thought about clearly, and I know it stems from the work you do privately. So could you tell us a little bit about these target areas? Yeah, so I kind of have this framework that I actually didn't even know that I was working from um because I will tell you we go to school to kind of learn about theories that other people use and we kind of get really good and making sure that we apply their theories and I didn't really think about my own way of conceptualizing things until a marketing coach actually pointed it out and she was like well what guides your work with clients and I was like oh I'm behaviorist I'm I kind of go from cognitive and she was like go a little bit deeper what else do you do and I was like well I kind of really focus a lot on people's mindset. She was like, bam, that's your, that's one of your areas. What else do you do? And I was like, I kind of talk about habits and talk about triggers. And I kind of begin, as I began to talk this out, because of course, marketing is in my area. I didn't go to school for that. Um, You know, we began to kind of realize that I had my own framework and pattern of addressing and conceptualizing clients' work and kind of like how I showed up with clients across three main areas. And so I do believe that these three areas have the, this is where we get stuck the most. And these three core areas have the ability to kind of keep us from growing and elevating. And those are mindset. So we have some mental blocks, things that we tell ourselves, things that we think, our narrative, our language, our values, our beliefs. Then we have habits, behavioral, like habitual behaviors or kind of repetitive behaviors or thoughts that we kind of engage in, basically on autopilot and automation. And then we have triggers, memories, smells, those things, but it's just not triggers. It's how we respond to triggers, how we cope. So basically coping skills. And you'll see that kind of weave throughout all of the work that I do in the food relationship world, as well as the therapy world. I'm always asking, what are your habits? How do you respond to that? What coping skills are you using? What ways are you thinking about yourself when it comes to that? And kind of like, are the, is this serving you? That kind of language. And so I categorize the cards in that same way. And so the cards um, have 12 cards per category. And there are cards that are addressing like, what are those mental blocks? Let's do the work around kind of working those out, becoming aware of what those are because awareness is huge. We can't begin to, to shift 
when we aren't aware of what's even going on. So that's why it's self-exploratory, self-insight, because we need to gain that awareness into how we're showing up. So those are the three main areas that I find important and that I use across, like even working with in person with my clients. That's incredible. So that kind of gives people an idea as to what, you know, opening this box of my therapy cards up, what they would be sort of looking at and reflecting on and how do people use them? Do they, they go through it by themselves? I know they could also use it with a therapist. What are the ways to use these cards for, cause some professionals might be listening as well as oh, yeah. you know, a general population too. Yeah, I tell people there's no rhyme or reason. There's no kind of like go through these 12 first and then go through the next 12. You, What I will say, though, is I will be cautious as to try to work through too many um, because I try to use them with my partner. You definitely can use them with your significant other. And we could only get through two cards on the night. And I was like, you know what? This is enough. We need to stop. We need to kind of put this away. Um, and so with your by yourself as kind of like your work that you're doing internally you can use this with somebody that you're in a relationship with you can use this i call it like a girlfriend circle kind of like a book club you can kind of go through the cards that way you can use it as a therapist with the client as in between session work or ways to explore other things that may be there for the client you can use it as a client who may be skeptical have some questions about what it feels like to start the therapy process kind of understanding what do I even need to go to therapy for. So when I gain insight into things that are showing up for me that are my problem areas, then I now have the language to be able to seek out a therapist and ask, can they help me specifically with that issue where I might not have had that language before. So now if I know I have an issue with forgiveness, I can specifically ask therapists, what is your take on forgiveness? How would that look if we work together? Or I can say and advocate for myself because I think this is huge, is that as Black people and people of color and marginalized groups, we need to take up space in the therapy world to be able to advocate for ourselves and say, hey, I want to work on this. What do you think about addressing this in session? How would that look? I need to work on forgiveness with myself, forgiveness with my partners, forgiveness with my friends. What does that look like and how can we address that? And so now you're an advocate, you're an equal participant in the process versus this power differential that exists in the mental health world between provider, most times it's called patient, but client. And so you're basically leveling that out a bit. And so I definitely think that they're meant to, they're small enough that you can take it with you. So you can put it in your pocket, put it in your clutch, those kinds of things and take it with you and kind of ruminate about it. Um, you can do journaling work. You can do intention setting work either in the morning or in the night. There's no one way to work on it, but those are some things that I found are most helpful right now based on the focus group that we kind of had around it. That's fantastic because this is something we all can be doing, right? You know, we can all be taking this time for ourselves to look at, you know, what are our mindset blocks, our habits and triggers and, and start to slowly unpack ourselves and find the language. Because even if we are in the place where we have the resources, you know, the, the privilege to be able to go and work with a therapist, empowering people who might not otherwise have had that language and understanding to be able to self-advocate and direct um, the conversation and, and the therapy, I think is really important. Yeah, yeah. And that that just feels empowering to be able to say, I'm an equal participant here. And um, I got this language from one of my clients, but being a thought partner, like we're thought partners and we can be able to just come together and be able to talk out some things. And while I have my area of expertise, you also have yours. And I think that this is a message that many clients don't recognize is that you have your set area of expertise, like you're the expert of yourself not me, you are. And so you're, you're fully capable um, and empowered to actually advocate for yourself in that way, be the expert and let's join together in this process versus kind of like 
you do what I say and I know all that that needs to be done because I definitely think that keeps us at a disadvantage, definitely, um, as we seek help. So forms that connection. And for listeners who are kind of going, oh, this sounds incredible, go to mytherapycards.com and we'll, of course, put um, put links in the show notes as well. But this isn't all that you do, um, Ebony. <laughs> you, you do many things. So, you know, would you mind sharing a little bit about you know, just quickly, I know that, um, that it's not our topic today, but about, about food and food, why food is not bay. Yeah. So as a food relationship strategist, um, what I do is, like I said before, I help people understand, especially black women understand the impact, um, that diet culture has had on the ways that we view our bodies, the, uh, safeness that we feel in our bodies and how we take care of our bodies as it relates to food. And so, um, I wrote a book, Food Is Not Bay, and then I have a podcast called Food Is Not Bay. And the, the reason that it's called that, so first, bay stands for, it's like slang for boo or baby or partner. And so food is not bay, and it stands for before anything else. So B, the B-A-E, before anything else. So food is not before anything else. Basically, I am. But in diet culture forces us to place food at a higher priority than what we want, what we need. And many times, I mean, if you've ever been in a relationship where you also place your partner before yourself, we know what that feels like, where you completely lose yourself in that person or in that situation to where you don't even recognize yourself anymore. That's kind of where the food is not they came from is I'm placing so much emphasis on food that I don't even know what I want anymore. I'm placing so much emphasis on the diet culture that I don't even know what my body needs anymore. And so let me begin to take that back and step away and say, no, Food is not bad. Like I'm, I'm the one that's priority here and I get to call the shots, not food and diet culture. So any listeners who are going, wow, this really resonates book and podcast, your podcast. Um, I got it just off iTunes. It would be on Spotify. I imagine and anywhere, you know, Google play, wherever you listen. And then listeners could connect with you on Instagram, um, Facebook, Twitter at Dr. Ebony and find your private practice website at drebony.com. All of this listeners will be in the show notes as well as I'll um, link to the Fearing the Black Body book as well so that listeners can connect with the resources that you've so kindly shared and hopefully get their hands on a pack of my therapy cards doing their own work, doing that exploration of wisdom in the self. Yeah. And there are two things. So one, my Instagram and Facebook name is Dr. Ebony Online. So it's one long name. So Dr. Ebony Online. And then there is even the option, if you feel like, hey, I don't really think this is for me, there's the option to donate a deck to a woman of color. So you can also do that. Um, you can buy a deck for yourself and also donate a deck to a woman of color. So those options are available if that's something that you're feeling like you want to do. That's incredible. That's a really wonderful gift, you know, particularly if we're able to sort of recognize our own privileged position. I think that's a nice idea. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Ebony, because... <laughs> Just so listeners know, these are my therapy cards have gone down like a treat because they are so needed. So I imagine lots of listeners are going, oh, they sound amazing. And they are because you are like jam packed, packing them and sending them off. Your launch was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. And it definitely took a life of its own that I'm not, I'm not complaining about. (laughs) No, well, let's all, we'll get on board and support it. And we can donate if it feels like it's something that, you know, maybe we don't necessarily um, see it's supporting us at this moment in time, but that we could support others or if we have the resources, two packs. 
Adam, and thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to connecting in future. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I really hope that you enjoyed this interview with Dr. Ebony. I think it's been really interesting to reflect on diet culture and how traumatic that is, as well as how we can be using tools to further our own self-development and self-exploration. My therapy cards are a wonderful resource. So perhaps if it's something that resonated with you, you might look at getting yourself a deck, which you can do at mytherapycards.com. And of course, you can connect with Dr. Ebony's work generally at drebony.com. If you have been enjoying this podcast series, it would mean the world to me if you'd take a minute or two to leave a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Of course, there is a how-to video on drcaitlin.com that might sound silly until you try and leave an iTunes review. Of course, feel free to reach out hello at drcaitlin.com and I can help you out. Thank you so much. Looking forward to connecting next week. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.